And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. We are just into the NBA season. Lots of really fun things have happened so far. But Al, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night in Houston, where the New Orleans Pelicans were up by five with a minute 17 left in the game. Houston's big off-season signing, Fred Van Vliet, would score eight points in the next minute, leading a 9-1 run that led to a 104-101 win for Houston. After an impressive win over Denver later in the week, the Rockets are now 6-3 and three and winners of six straight, the longest streak in the West. I mentioned last week that 5-5 five and five in their next 10 games would be wildly impressive to me. Well, they've started out that 10-game stretch with two straight wins. Next game... <laughs> A Friday night matchup against losers of six straight, the Los Angeles Clippers. Should've, On should've, Saturday. Should have been our surprise team, Al. Should have been our surprise yeah. team. See, seems very obvious now. Um, on Saturday, the Miami Heat found themselves in a game against Atlanta without Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler. For any other team, this would be notable. But for the Heat, it's just another opportunity to rub our faces in Heat culture. Rookie Jaime Hawkes Jr. stepped into the starting lineup and dropped 20, while Bam Adebayo led the Heat with 26-17. and 17. Miami, who beat Atlanta 117-109, to 109, are currently in the midst of a league-best seven-game win streak. Up next, a five-game road trip, beginning with two games against Chicago. On Sunday, it was finally time for the James Harden Clippers era to leave the dock and set sail for Victory Island, a home game against the 1-8 Memphis Grizzlies. If that's not a get-right game, Andrew, I don't know what is. <laughs> Instead of getting right, however, the Clippers said, hey, watch this, and lost again 105-101. James Harden was a minus 28 in the four-point loss. The play of the game came with a minute left. When the Grizz were up by only one, Marcus Smart started to drive into the lane, but tripped and fell completely flat on the court with the ball slowly rolling towards out of bounds. Smart somehow swatted the ball up to big body David Roddy, who laid it in for the three-point lead. The good news for the Grizzlies was short-lived, however, as they would lose both Luke Kennard and Marcus Smart to injury in their next game. On Monday, it was the return of De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento, after missing five games, Fox was back and did not miss a beat, scoring 28-6 in a 132-120 win over Cleveland. Sacramento has won four in a row, quickly bouncing back from their 2-3 and three start. And while the offense has not been at the historical level it was last year yet, mostly due to Fox's injury and some cold three-point shooting, the defense has been surprisingly average, ranking 13th on cleaning the glass. As a reminder, last season, Sacramento was 25th in defense. A fun upcoming schedule for the Kings who visit Wemby, Luka, Zion, and Ant over their next five games. On Tuesday, the in-season tournament continued to prove that regular season games can be made more interesting by A, painting the courts bright colors, 
and B, having one player put another in a chokehold. It's really easy. The game was Minnesota Golden State, a very competitive game that ended in a 104 to 101 victory for the Wolves with Cat leading all scores with 33. The story of the game, however, was what happened in the first two minutes of the game. After Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels began scuffling, running up the court, Rudy Gobert attempted to wrap up Clay from behind, which led to Draymond Green flying in and putting Gobert in a very effective chokehold. Now, it looked bad, but as Warriors fans were quick to point out, he had no other choice. I mean, would you rather have a guy who puts someone in a chokehold or a guy who doesn't stand up for his teammates? Those are the only two options that exist. There's not a third option, and honestly... The way you're talking about this whole situation is very revealing and says a lot more about you than it does about Draymond. And if you would actually go back and watch the video and not just repeat media talking points like a sheep, you'd see that Gobert basically strangled Clay. Draymond is a hero. He saved Clay's life. On Wednesday, Orlando played a basketball game in Chicago. The Magic won the game 96 to 94 when Paulo Bencaro hit a turnaround jumper with one second left to win the game. Nobody on either team scored 20 points. How crazy is that? A game in 2023, no one on either team scored 20 points. When was the last time that happened? If you're looking for an answer, I have no idea. I don't know how to look that up on StatHead. Let's say it's 2006. Wow, that's a really long time ago. <laughs> the loss for the Bulls came one day after Sham Sharani's report that there's been increased openness from the Bulls and Zach Levine about exploring a trade with the Lakers, Heat, and Sixers listed as teams who may have interest. And finally, on Thursday night, the Oklahoma City Thunder let a 19-point lead shrink all the way down to one against the shorthanded Warriors, who were without Draymond and Steph Curry, who was dealing with a sore knee. The 19-point lead would magically reappear, however, with the help of Isaiah Joe, who went 7 of 7 from three-point land. As a team, OKC shot 19 of 32 from three, with shooting splits of 51-59-91. OKC is 8-4 with the 7th-ranked offense and 5th-ranked defense per cleaning the glass. For the Warriors, they have lost 5 in a row, including 4 at home, with their next 3 against OKC again, Houston, and Phoenix, who saw the return of Devin Booker this week. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week indeed. Al, you mentioned the Orlando Magic, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the Orlando Magic today. Wanted to just point out uh, a few things about them. One, Jonathan Isaac is playing real minutes for this team. In fact, he's played his the for, for the first time since 2019, pre-pandemic. Jonathan Isaac has played a back-to-back. Unbelievable. So it's good to see him back. He's closing some games for them. He's kind of ramping up his minutes as he's coming to this season. He's yeah, you and I games. actually, uh, we, we had a bet who was going to play more games, Jonathan Isaac or Ben Simmons. I don't remember who I took in that bet, but uh, Jonathan <laughs> Isaac's looking real good right now. He's looking good. Um, and we'll talk more about Ben Simmons later and uh, what's going on with him, which uh, doesn't look quite as promising. Uh, you mentioned Paolo Bancaro hitting that game winner. He's looked really good. He's shot the ball really efficiently this year. I'd like to see him take more threes. He is shooting 40% on three attempts per game. Th- the threes is something they really need to focus on as they continue to go throughout the season. They don't really have anybody shooting the ball that well for them, and so they could really use some shooting around uh, their best players. But I wanted to to point out, this, t- this team is doing well. They're 6-5, and five, a winning record. They rank 8th in the Eastern Conference right now. Like That's good. That's a good step forward. 
But when you take a look at how these games have unfolded for the Magic, it's really interesting. Alex, in the first half, guess where they rank in net rating, just in the first half of games. Well, obviously it's going to be uh, wildly different. I'm going to guess they're terrible in the first half, so I'll say 28th. They're actually amazing in the first half. They are third in offense, first in defense, first in net rating in the first half of games. They have been unreal to start games. And you think, that's great. They're probably doing awesome. They're a 16.9 net rating in first half. 100 defensive rating, 117 offense. And you say, wait, they're only 6-5. and What's the deal here? Well, what's happening? You go to the second half. They are 29th in net rating in the second half of games. Minus 14.4 is their net rating. Their defense plummets to 16th in the league, 113.9. And then offensively, they are the worst team. They have an offensive rating of 99.4 in the second halves of games, which is unthinkable in the modern NBA. The next worst team is the Blazers at a 103. I mean, it's a huge difference, a four-point difference between the 30th and 29th ranked teams in the second half of games on offense. They need shooting so badly. They need spacing and shooting around their players. And now they have been missing Markel Fultz, which he's not necessarily going to help with the shooting, but he's going to be able to help with the playmaking. Their their offense just absolutely stagnates in the second half, and there's no spacing around Paolo or Franz Wagner. Wendell Carter's been out as well. Like Adding those two back will help some, but when you're playing guys like Jalen Suggs and Anthony Black around these guys and Jonathan Isaac too, who, congratulations, you're back, but he's not shooting the ball well, it's hard. It's really hard to form a good offense, and that's kind of showing itself early on in the season. Now, I think that's all going to flatten out for them. Like, they're not going to be the best team in the league in the first half. They're not going to be the worst team in the league in the second half. That's all going to kind of come closer to the mean, but the Magic are good, but they need to figure out the spacing because as, like, teams start to figure them out a little bit, their offense bogs down too much. And so... Get some shooting for Paolo and Franz, something that they could probably address at the deadline or maybe even through the draft next year. But uh, I do want to shout the Magic, who are a good team now. But these inconsistencies, I think, will level out. And I think we might have like a legitimate play-in team here with the Magic as they continue to go throughout this season. Yeah, I mean, their their spacing is tough enough, but when Franz is shooting, he's like 30.6% right now on threes. A guy who's been shooting thirty six percent from three through his first two seasons, that hurts a lot. And then also, you just look at their roster; they have no one taking six threes a game. I'm going to have yeah, a trivia question wild. later, Andrew. Hmm. There are fifty one players in the league taking at least six threes per game, and, and and very interestingly, six of them are on the Brooklyn Nets. None of them are on the Orlando Magic, however. Zero, so the, zero is wild in twenty twenty three to have zero players. Franz is taking 5.6. Jalen Suggs is taking 4.6 and only hitting 33%. And Cole Anthony, who you think would take more, is only taking four per game. Yeah, that number's got to go up. Yeah, so it's not just that they need better shooting. They actually need more shooting. They need volu- They need a volume shooter. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Andrew, uh, we're 10 games into the season. And that means it's time to definitively decide who can win the NBA championship this year. And uh, you might be out there doubting me. Say, no, that's not true. My team isn't doing well right now. I don't want to talk about that. It doesn't matter. It's the early season. Who cares? Well, if you want to win the NBA championship, it does matter how you play in your first 10 games. Your first five games, even. So we're going to look at uh, something I'm calling resume for a ring. Because if you go back, and I did, to 1971... The reason I went back that far is because, uh, you know, you can look at the NBA standings by date on Basketball Reference, which is a very cool thing. You can see by date what each team's record was. The ability to do that on Basketball Reference goes back to 1971, which is why I stopped there. But that gives us 53 years worth of data. And I looked at every single NBA champion. And what you find is that these teams, uh, they, they share some qualities. All of them across the board, all 53 teams. Now, I did this last year. And when we got to the end of the year, we had whittled it down to two teams who met all this criteria, had a resume for a ring, and it was uh, Boston and Milwaukee. Now, you might say, hold on a second, Alex. I don't remember either of those teams winning last year, and that's correct. Denver did break one of the rules, which was very exciting. However, it's a rule that's uh, very easy to adjust. The rule was that no champion has ever had worse than the ninth best odds coming into the season. And that goes back to the 84-85 season. Now, last year I said it was no champion had ever had worse than the eighth best odds. And that team was the Golden State Warriors in 2015, who actually had the longest odds of any of these champions. They were a plus 2,800. Last year, Denver sat ninth. They were a plus 1,800. And so they, they technically broke that mold. But on the other hand, they didn't have the longest odds. Toronto in 2019, they were plus 1850, and then the 2011 Dallas Mavericks were plus 2000. So we're adjusting it slightly. We're saying that no champion has ever had worse than the ninth best odds in preseason. Just by doing that, that rules out teams such as the Dallas Mavericks, playing very well right now, Cleveland Cavaliers, Sacramento Kings, New York Knicks, and most interestingly, a team that's been very hot, the Minnesota Timberwolves. People already talking mm-hmm. about the Wolves as, you know, a, a dark horse candidate for, for a ring. Nope. Sorry. Yeah. According to this, no. But then we get to the records. So this is pretty interesting. After five games, just five games, no NBA champion, going back to 1971, 53 years, has ever started out 1-4 and four or 0-5. Oh it's never happened in the last mm. 53 years. Never. Now that right there rules out the Miami Heat. We started out one and four, are on a wow. seven-game winning streak. They look amazing. Everything's going great. This is just champion, though, not like finalists. The, exactly. You can still make the finals. And in fact, I will say, if Miami had somehow won the finals last year, I would probably not be doing this segment because they would have broken <laughs> every rule. They would have... Yeah. <laughs> destroyed every rule of every previous championship. Um, okay, so that rules out Miami. The second thing is that once you get to 10 games, now you're really learning a lot. No champion has ever had fewer than four wins in their first 10, meaning they've never been three and seven, two and eight. And actually, you look back, there's really only one team who was four and six. That was the 1978 Washington Bullets, who are kind of the the greatest outlier of any NBA mm-hmm. champion. 
They started out uh, two and three, then they went four and six. They only won, I think, 43 or 44 games that year. Their net rating was like barely positive. They were a plus 0.9. They kind of looked like the Miami team of last year in the regular season, but they actually ended up winning the championship. If you take them out of it, then every team's been at least 500 through their first 10 games. Hmm. But because of that, we get to rule out, and this won't shock anyone, the Los Angeles Clippers. They're gone, Andrew. They, yep. they, they were doing great. Get they out were of here, three Clippers. and two. They were three and two through their first five, and then something happened. Something, say, what happened? Something what happened? changed. By the way, did you see, uh, as we're recording, Chris Haynes reporting that Russell Westbrook has said he's willing to, not, not just that he's willing to come on events, he's offering to come off the bench wow. to make it easy for the Clippers. That's pretty nice. Nice of him. I'm sure I'm sure that's exactly how it happened. I'm sure that there was you no discussion. He just stepped up. He just volunteered. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that that's exactly how it happened. I'm sure. Interesting. So you think this is like when like when they fire a coach and instead of it coming out as a firing, they say like mutually agreed to part ways. You th- oh you th- yeah, this is this is mutually agreed to part from the the starting lineup. Absolutely, mm, interesting, it is. interesting. Absolutely, interesting. it is. Yeah, I mean there well, was there was talks there was talks before the Harden trade even happened or the day that it happened that Russ was willing to come off the bench then. Yeah, it's so like this has been a talking point that's existed for a long time. So well, they've, they've finally seen enough. They've seen Six enough. Losses. And and Russell, I mean, it, it's I mean, I, it's good that they want to get Russell some good press. But like let's let's get real here. It is kind of a bummer. I mean, listen, it was only 5 games. But that early season Clippers, they, they were kind of interesting. I kind of liked them. It was fun. They it was were like, good. Oh, they were they were legitimately good and they 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 messed it up. Now they can now they can't win the title. Now they can't win the title. Sorry. Those are the rules. Now, so those are the only teams that we have to cross out, which means, I mean, obviously there's a ton of teams we're crossing out. OKC, yeah, yeah, Houston, yeah. Yeah. Like, all these teams They're at the all bottom out. Of, yes. the, uh, of the odds, you know, all of those teams are gone. But that leaves us with seven championship contenders, true championship contenders who so far have a resume for a ring, and that is Boston, Denver, Phoenix, who just squeaked by. They are four and six Woo! in their first 10, Woo! but they made it. They're like Indiana Jones sliding under that door. They just made it. Milwaukee, <laughs> Golden State, the Lakers, and the Philadelphia 76ers. So we've already narrowed wow. it down to seven teams. One of those seven teams will win the NBA championship this year. Wow. And if they don't, it Book will it. be very exciting, actually. And, you know, going back to what Denver did last year, you know, they, they broke the mold in the sense that they had the ninth best odds. But I actually think as I was going back through the preseason odds, what you realize is like that was more of a reflection of the parody in the league because sure. you go back a few years, like especially during like the Warriors Cavs era and it, like it, it just, it, it didn't matter. Like the, the odds were so stacked against the rest of the league. Oh, yeah. Whereas now like they were ninth last year and still had plus 1800 odds. So yeah, I, I do think the odds are less important than these, these other factors. Um, and so who knows, maybe, maybe a team like a Minnesota could jump up and break that again because there is so much parity in the league nowadays. Um, but yeah, in terms of like how well you do after five and after 10, that has been very consistent over the last 53 Mm. years. So I'll come back to this. Um, there's, there's some stats after 41 games. So we'll revisit, see if any other teams can be cut. 
I'm also going to be digging and see if there's other any other qualities of an NBA championship that we can find uh, to match these teams up against. Uh, speaking of digging, we're going to be digging around the Brooklyn Nets here in just a minute with our guy Mike Smeltz. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Well, Andrew, it's time for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin a digital wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week. And this week, the wheel landed on the Brooklyn Nets, and what an eventful week it was. Nick Claxton, back in the lineup after missing a games. Ben, I almost called him Ben Thomas. Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas were out this week with injuries. The Nets went 2-2 with losses to last year's Eastern Conference Finals team, Boston Miami, and wins against the Wizards and the Magic. The Nets are 6-6, 2-1 in the NBA Cup with the 9th-ranked offense and 16th-ranked defense for cleaning the glass. Andrew, if the Nets are our favorite team, 
who is our guest? It's my good friend and knower of all soups. It's Mike Smeltz. Mike, <laughs> what's up, man? Oh my God. Again, always an honor. I, I mean, I partly feel bad for your listeners that we have to talk about the Nets and like, usually it was like Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kyrie, and now it's Lonnie Walker, <laughs> but Get it. I, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm, I'm happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Uh, so let's talk about the guy that we we're kind of excited to talk about, but then we didn't get to watch him at all this week. Uh, it's Cam Thomas. Um, you've been pretty skeptical about Cam in the past, but yes. after his hot start this season, where do you fall on the scale of um, empty stats chucker to we need to build this team around him? <laughs> I mean, again, for the context, from the moment Cam Thomas arrived in the iconic black and white of the Brooklyn Nets, I was I was highly skeptical. He lit Las Vegas on fire. Um, he was a summer league legend immediately. But if for those who haven't had the pleasure of watching Ian Thomas, it's all like chucking. It is like, it, but it's not. It's it's. There's an art to the chuck that he does. Uh, totally. And he is he's extremely. He's a hooper. Like he is the living embodiment of a hooper. Um, and like before during the preseason, I'd be the you know like he got to start it with the starting lineup, but I was like. Uh, this is just he's this is Jock Vaughn, the Nets coach, just feeding red meat to Nets Twitter because Nets Twitter loves Cam Thomas so much. And I was like maybe the most vocal uh anti Cam Thomas person uh on the airwaves, the the vast airwaves of the Brooklyn Nets podcast community. Uh and like listen, like he's been awesome this year and he's been uh, he's been a little different. I think because there isn't the Katie Kyrie, James Harden, whatever like mix of of people that we want to throw in that in that area now, he is less urgent with the chucking. Now there is still like the he is the king of the double pump step back eighteen footer where his hips are pointed like towards the bench, and yet he shoots the ball at the bucket, and like usually it goes in. He's been awesome, and like if you if I if I had to answer the question that you put in front of me, which I will, um. I am veering closer to like how important is he to the future of this team? And he is he's not Mikhail Bridges, who is the most important net, but he's number two. Like, like I and it's like Ben Simmons is just you can do to to think of that he has any importance beyond his contract is ridiculous. Um and there's not much else, not much, not much else there. Uh that's actually have a fun team, but like future-wise, it's Bridges and Cam Thomas. I never thought I'd be here, but I'm here. I miss him dearly. I love, I love like having that dog out there. He's a he's a dog at a bucket and a hooper, and he's awesome. Like thrilled by him. He does bring a watchability. Like I get I get more excited to turn on a Nets game if I know Cam Thomas is out there. You never know. He may score forty five. Yeah, just don't know. Uh, You mentioned Mikael Bridges. Sure. Uh, took the NBA by storm last year when he was traded to the Nets. In 27 games with the Nets, he put up 26 points per game. Incredible efficiency. Looked like a true star. Now, he's still been good to start the season, but it's not the same as we saw last spring. He's been in a little bit of a slump from three-point range. Isn't getting the line as much. Are you still confident that Mikael Bridges can be the guy we saw last spring 
or are you readjusting your expectations? Um, what I think is that it was always fool's gold to think that he would be who he was, like the 25-point-per-game scorer at ultra-efficiency. But, like, I've I've loved what Mikhail Bridges is. And, like, what he is, he represents the greatest possible um, foundational piece that's a non-rookie that you could have right now because his contract is so darn cheap. He is really, really good. 20-point-per-game score, relatively efficient. His assist totals are going up. Um, and a tremendous defender. I, he, he is not a one. He'll never be a real one. And that's what he looked like last spring. But you know, like that, that again was like, he was like riding the high of trying to play 83 games in an 82 game season, um, like a maniac, regardless of how high his heights are, the, as a Nets fan perspective, like it's just so much of a better time rooting for him than like what was happening before. Um, I I just think the Nets have such an advantage with Bridges because his contract is so cheap, goes on so long, and he is so good, and he he will fit with any. There's not a single player in the NBA that yeah. like Bridges wouldn't fit with. You know, I know. Yeah, any trade rumor, it's like you got, you always have to mention the Nets because it's like why not. They they definitely whoever it is could play with Bridges. Like we Andrew and I were talking Chet for Ben Simmons. I was like, the Nets aren't going to give up Ben Simmons for Chet. Not going to happen. <laughs> or was it Giddy? We I forget who we were talking about. We we had through a lot of names. We 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 have uh, random trade negotiations throughout the season, <laughs> uh, typically centered around Josh Giddy. Uh, but well, yeah, a Nets fan authentically tweeted out. Giddy for Nick Claxton, it helps both teams. <laughs> I don't, yeah, there's a gap. There's like a, there's a certain gap. I love Nick Claxton, love him with all my heart. But Giddy's yeah. just like, there's a little bit of a higher ceiling. Let's, that, that's nice honest. of you to say that, but there is a uh, fairly big uh, Thunder account that proposed that same trade like a week earlier. Is that the Down to Dog Thunder account? Is that <laughs> it's not. It was it's Andrew Payshelect. <laughs> not me I'm big giddy guy here uh, okay we have to uh, talk about Ben Simmons just sure just no, I'm, see, I'm, just I'm, I'm, Ben and I have a great relationship now. okay okay so, so it was last week it was announced this week that Ben Simmons after missing a couple games with left hip soreness would miss an additional time with nerve impingement in his back how are you feeling about Ben's play prior to the injury and how much does it change how they play not having him out there he is the hardest player to understand impact on the court just it is impossible he's scoring about like six seven points per game this year but he does get boards and not just like cheap boards where that he's the guy available like he comes swooping in from the three-point line when he's playing defense and grabs the rebound. He has never looked this good athletically with the Nets as he does now until his back got impinged. Um, he it he plays again like no one else because he will drive to the bucket and there's a certain imaginary line in his head that he won't cross a lot of the time and then turn around and try to throw a pass to 
someone behind him. Um, it, it is hard <laughs> to talk about him. I try to be positive with Ben. That's the relationship I try to develop with him. Just he is like the kid. I'm not trying to name names, but like what, like a friend of my son's who may be <laughs> a little laggard, little lagging in uh, development. You know, like he just, hey, clap it up. You understood the crayons. You you knew blue is blue. Hey, I'm proud of you. Right? Say what the age of your of your son is? Seventeen. Just- no. <laughs> no, no, it's three years old. It's three years. So it's still within the range of like, no, not know your colors isn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he looks at the colors for a very long time. And I just, I just want to shake him and say, like, think about it. You got the, the colors are there. Um, so Ben is like that child. Um, and so, but, the, but that kid is also great on the playground. A lot of fun. Pretty great imagination, actually. It's the facts. The things that are going to get him passed through school maybe is difficult. But on the playground, that guy is a bucket of fun. And Ben is has been a good teammate this year. And he has seems humble. Like, I, I hate the idea that, that an athlete, a human, needs to be humbled. Like, that's... It's arrogant to say if we someone needs to be humbled, but Ben has been like pretty good. You know, like all the buzz about him in Philly. Um, obviously, he's gone through a lot to get to the point where he is now, and I hope his back impingement gets unimpinged. Sounds painful. It's scary because he has massive back issues. Uh, so, what what is the question? Do I how do I feel? I think you know. It's like doesn't know his colors. But hell of a hell of a good time on a playground. You know what I mean? I think that's where are you getting that analysis? You know where where is that coming from? And, and nowhere else. But, Thank you. But, but glue guys and slam and jam. Yeah. Are you going to find analysis like that? Yeah, he is fun though because uh, I was I was reading an article on the Athletic this week, and they had a clip of this play where Simmons is pointing. They're on defense. Simmons is under the basket. And he's pointing to Spencer Dinwiddie as soon as Lamelo takes a three. They're playing the Hornets. Says, "Hey, just start running." He doesn't even know if Lamelo's going to make the shot or not. He's just yelling to Spencer Dinwiddie, "Start running!" The ball just happens to bounce off the rim perfectly to Ben, and he throws a baseball pass length of the court. Dinwiddie scores an easy layup. Like just a really fun play. There just aren't that many players in the league who can do it, and it's like a nice reminder. Like, oh yeah, Ben Simmons can be really fun sometimes yeah. for all the other stuff. Very fun. I hate to throw on genius. I won't say he's a genius. He's like a, a tenured professor um, in the physics department. Like very smart. I can't say he's a genius. Is he Einstein? I don't know. But he he's is tenured. Pretty good. He's tenured. He's he knows his physics. Um, he is so smart. And I and I have a theory that part of what holds him back is his own intelligence on the court because, like. I had this, this so like Cam Thomas is the the yin to his yang, right? Like Cam Thomas is all confidence and skill and bucket making, and Ben is the a complete opposite. He is no bucket making, but he can do a bunch of other stuff really well. Um, and Ben thinks of every possession of 
what is the best i honestly believe this what is the best thing for the team and often in his head the decision to not shoot is the best thing for the team i think he believes that and it kind of it yeah. holds him back because sometimes you just hey, you, you, there's only five guys out there you gotta just shoot like what's the big deal so shoot the ball shoot yeah. from three you just you just can't i just have a hard time believing that you can be that kind of player in today's game i think you could get away with it like a decade ago like there were a lot of guys that just wouldn't just didn't shoot or like wouldn't like you could have these like parts of the floor that were just dead and it was just widely accepted throughout the nba and like in today's game it's really tough for those guys to exist on the nba court like they have to you have to have some sort of aggression yeah but the nba was so much tougher back in the 80s and 90s andrew haven't you listened to any tnt halftime game show until the in-season tournament came along that's right and I'm thinking like the early aughts even. I mean, like we watched. Al, we is watched that you trying to transition to the in-season tournament question, by the way? <laughs> it wasn't. Is that what that is? Are you trying to move on from this? That was like I'm just thinking about even Andre Robertson, who played for the Thunder for a long time, who like was an offensive nothing. Like he could just do nothing. And he was even afraid to shoot the ball. But you can play him 30 minutes a night because he was such a great defender. I, I just don't know that you can play those guys anymore. That's all. I mean, how many of them are there? And they're all on the nets, like Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> and Benson. They're all on the nets. It's collecting uh, them. It's true. Yes, yeah, you're true. zigging. I, and I love Dennis Smith Jr. Besides the fact that when he shoots, it's horrible. But yeah, love that. Love that archetyped. Uh, this that might be the answer to this next question because this is a roster that's seen a lot of turnover going back to last year's trade deadline. Outside of the obvious guys, you know, like Bridges, are there any role players who have become oh personal God. favorites of you? A, a player who you feel especially strong about wanting to keep on this team moving forward. Oh, so that's a different thing. Cause like I'm kind of known as being the person that the second someone's good, I want to trade them. Like, because I just, I just want that value. Like, I'm like, what's Cam Thomas's value? Who knows? Right. Could be interesting. Put him out on the market. But Lonnie Walker, like the kids, no, no one is tapping into the nets this year. And, God bless anyone. Lonnie Walker hasn't started a single game, so I do not blame an NBA fan for not understanding how well he's played. But he's been like, you know, like before even Cam Thomas went out, he supplied all the bench scoring. He's scoring 15 points per game this year, and it's not like disgusting. I mean, shooting 51% from the field, 46% from three. Those are statistics for you. Like, and he looks good. He probably won't keep up that pace. No one does. Caveat, caveat, caveat. But like, you know, it's funny. I remember when Lonnie Walker came out of the draft and the the what he is now is what well, the idea of him was, was a mm-hmm. shooter, scorer, driver, guard. And he's been awesome. And obviously he had that like one big game with the Lakers uh, last postseason. Um, but he didn't really do like a terribly much for them. He's been easily one of the Nets' best players. He just doesn't start because the Nets have... Dinwiddie at point, and he's Dinwiddie's like the only point guard. And then it's usually Cam Thomas, and they have Cam Johnson and Bridges, DFS, Dorian Finney Smith, um, Royce O'Neal. Like they have a lot of those just like two to fours. Uh, not that Lonnie's a four or even a three, really. He's just been good. And he, like during this heat game that we were watching, he, he was part of the reason why the Nets had any shot at all in any moment and then obviously they it didn't happen for them so Lonnie Walker and again Season high 
against the Heat. Can't wait to trade three him. points. Absolutely. Hey, Link. Uh, what? How uh, intimidated were you when you turned on the game tonight and you saw that your favorite team was having to play on a court that said Heat culture? Were you just like, "Oh, this is a loss," just right, I, right from tip? Can I ask you guys what do you think about that court? That one in annoying. particular. Yeah, just I, what I feel the, like the the back tattoo that is their, like, you know, the 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 paint. I the, feel like it's like the, like the Fight Club thing where like the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Yes. I think it's cooler when you don't talk about it internally. You let other people yeah. talk about it, but you don't yourself make a big deal about it. You don't you don't make an entire court and make shirts that say it because at that point it's just a commodity. It's not cool anymore. And I don't know if it was ever cool because I, I know a lot of people just got sick of it. But there is something, there was something there. And I feel like they've kind of bastardized it in a way. That's 100%. Yeah, there was something there because we didn't know what was there, right? Exactly. It was, it was mysterious in a way. Yeah. And now I know what it is. It's whatever they put on the court. And it looks like I don't hate the idea of a, a scroll like, you know, like a Star Wars scroll being you know in the in the paint uh, on some level but the heat heat culture should not be tangible it should be hard to grasp and understand and we're constantly trying to figure out like how impactful is haslam and what does it even mean what does it mean right and now i'm like oh it's right there they put it on their shirt they're on their on their court i don't it's not not a you know they're opening up their books Nobody have the books too much. Don't do it. It's too lame. Super lame. Uh, okay. Mike, this team is not a contender. But the upside is you don't have all the chaos and drama of the last couple of years. How comfortable are you with sticking with this team for the time being? Or are you already getting a little little antsy, a little itchy for the Nets to make a big move? I'm I'm in a quarter zip right now. Sweater. I feel great. I feel so comfy. It feels uh, fantastic, wow. you know. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm walking. I got my I forget who sponsors this this pod, but you know, there's like nice the the newish material that's really developed over the past few years for pants. It's it's like a stretchy sort of like Lululemon. Oh, we had, like we had Viore at, for for a time. So yeah. Viore is one of my favorite brands. So I can say that really audibly. Really great pants. Yeah. Um, I don't know where that material has been for. I mean, honestly, material has been around for eons, right? And Great this point. new material that they're out with, these kids, these kids, what they got, you don't even know how good they have it. Growing up yeah, in Viore and Robach or Robeck or whatever. Anyways. Roblox, um, yeah. Playing Roblox? <laughs> Where are their Viores? Um, <laughs> I feel so comfortable. I feel so, you know. No rush. Well, like, we talk about this on the show. There's a lot going on in the world, um, in the Middle East. And if Kyrie was still on the team, God bless us for having to hear what, how that would have been handled, right? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So we talk about that a lot. So, you know, and also I think the thing that's holding me back is look at the names who are out there, right? Yeah. Cat. Totally. Levine. It's like these are... This this isn't Kyrie and KD, right? Like, the, okay, and James Harden, but like not this James Harden, like the one 
coming out of Houston. So if Shay gets out of the market soon, so excited about that. Yeah, attack Shay. <laughs> everyone knows he loves Brooklyn. Everyone, everyone knows he he's loves- <laughs> he's obsessed with Brooklyn. He just can't wait. He loves like a like a really good slice of pizza, cheesecake from Juniors. That's like a thing people talk about, but no one actually gets cheesecake from. It's kind of like I don't want to say it's like Sabaros. So that's like blasphemy. But anyways, uh, yeah. So that's the thing. It's not. It's the combination of coming out of the era of superstars that was so uh, life sucking, and then also the new crop of available stars. Quote. Just like well, it, no one's yeah. like like the Lakers put like Yovan Buha of the Athletic puts out a story about how like the Lakers are like monitoring the Bulls, but they want really DeRozan Caruso. They don't even want Levine. Who wants? Yeah. Come on, come on. So I'm comfortable. I'm very comfortable. Sponsor this show. Well, Mike, thank you for answering all our questions. Nets. But it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head against a beat writer, or in this case, Mike Smiltz, co-host of the Glue Guys, a Brooklyn Nets podcast. Uh, Mike, you've played this before. Eight yes. questions, all related to the Nets. Some are easy, some are hard. You're going to give me a number between one and eight. And if you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal, and we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So, Mike, where would you... Oh, and by the way, Andrew, 0-4 to start this season. Uh, really bad. Really bad. Just got he's hurt. Too much on your plate, on your plate Andrew. He's not able oh, to focus on trivia. Um, Mike, where would you like to start? One through eight. eight. Any number. Eight. Wow. Okay. Which player currently has the best on-off rating for the Brooklyn Nets per cleaning the glass? I think it's Spencer Dinwiddie. Mike? That is absolutely correct for two points. Wow. Wow. Big. Because that's a shocking thing for most people. Who watch. I love Dinwiddie. Follows me on Twitter. Uh, so I love him. Name drop. But, uh, but, but that's a big fat dub. Because uh, You ever DM? You ever DM? Really you can player. DM. Well, yeah, we, 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 I've DM'd him many times. He Has he replied? Not so much. Okay. Anyways. Uh, Andrew, board is yours. Number one. Question number one. Cam Thomas, currently averaging 26.9 points per game through eight games. Who are the last two Nets to average at least 20 points per game before the age of 23? You get one point per correct answer. So the last two Nets who are 22 or younger. 23. To average twenty points per game over an entire season. Oh boy! Back in time, because they went through just such a rough stretch of not having their own draft stars picks. for your <laughs> nets. <laughs> Goodness, I don't even know if I have a good answer for this. Um. Gosh, I don't know if this guy did it for the Nets. Okay. Got a name in your head? Did. I don't know if he was, he may have been too old. 
Uh-oh. Uh, Karis LeVert. Andrew? That is incorrect. Mike, you can steal two points here if you can get this correct. Brooke Lopez? That is one for one mm-hmm. point. God. Now, you don't have to answer this. Is this player older than Brooke? Um, How would that help? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe younger. Jefferson? Oh, you mean like older in NBA time? Like age? Like the classic sense like, of being older? Like like currently <laughs> older. I thought you meant older at the time they scored 20 points per game. Right, right. That makes sense. Uh, okay, so you're- Well, just, I, said, I said Richard Jefferson. It's committed I to the said record. it. Uh, that's wrong. Okay. The other answer, which is actually the answer I thought you guys would get, it was D'Lo. He was an all-star. Mm, of course. Uh, That's easy. Uh, easy. That's easy. Such a such a short era. It was a short era. Still well um, remembered here. The only place that was ever happy to have D'Angelo Russell. Uh, five. Five. Question number five. Ooh, this is a tough one. Warning you. Dennis Smith Jr. was originally drafted by the Dallas Mavericks and was eventually traded to the New York Knicks in the Kristaps Porzingis trade. There were five other players in that trade. Name two of them. Oh, my gosh. Tim Hardaway Jr. So uh, we're talking about the Porzingis Knicks to uh, Mavericks. Oh, what was that? Tim Hardaway Jr. That was correct. That was correct for one point. Can you get one more? Okay. That, That was one I figured you'd get, which is why I felt comfortable asking this question. There are four more guys in that trade. Can you get Dude, one? Are we counting draft picks, like people who end up being drafted? Uh, no. Okay. Did you do you know one of those? Oh yeah, I know all of them. I won't say that here. You know, no, I don't know any single one. I was hoping like <laughs> I could, because I could maybe. What? Yeah, I better check. Okay, wait. I mean, you can say it. I'll tell you if it's right or not. I'll look it up right now. No, 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 no. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That's not. That's not the the ethic of the game here. There's okay. There's no way you would get who would. I mean, maybe you would. There was one draft pick. There's only one draft pick. Well, that has that has been selected so far because the other uh, Nick, the Mavs pick, hasn't conveyed yet. But anyways, that's not part of the the question. <laughs> It was Keon Johnson, okay? Keon Johnson was... Oh, okay. Like, yeah, there's no way likely, I would have gotten I'm that. Kind of like going through all the draft picks. The Knicks have actually had a lot of draft picks lately. Okay. All right. <laughs> Give me... Okay. Here's what I'm thinking of, okay? So I'm thinking of Chris Stapp's okay. big salary, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tim yeah. Hardaway Jr. Relatively... I'm thinking like Mavericks had to send back a chunky... Mass of a salary to New York, yeah, some chunk, okay, and and so I'm trying to think of like who. Here are just names. I'm not gonna. This is not the answer. Just this is for the podcast to talk it out. Like, oh Lord, who did the Mavericks have on their team that they were unsatisfied with during the Luca era? Because this is early Luca. That they got Chris Stapps. The idea being that Chris Stapps and Luca are going to like light the world on fire. This is the biggest stall 
in answers <laughs> a huge stall. I actually think I know the answers now after getting <laughs> this much time to think about it. You think like, you do you do? have any guesses? I would you like to walk us through no. what the Mavs were doing in 2019. Should we compare each Maverick to a bowl of soup? Luca again. <laughs> my my to stall again. My co-host Brian, who I love dearly, compared the Mavericks to matzo ball soup, which offended me as a Jew. That yeah. guy Ray was on the t- anyways. He yeah. I don't want to go into that. Um Okay, I'm going to guess. Here we go. Very quickly. Yeah. Very soon. Who You're was on I'm about to call time here. I'm about to call oh time here. Oh, my gosh. Who was on the Mavericks that they would have sent to New York? And oh New York, God. okay, you get under Phil Jackson, Five, in that moment, four, would have been three, okay with it. Two, one. What is your final answer? Brian Cardinal. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I can't think of another human. Sorry, uh, Andrew. Who 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 did you think of? DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, that's correct. For one point. Of course, because uh, he, also he, Jesus, because he went to the Knicks, and the theory was that like that he, he told KD and Kyrie how crappy yeah. it was there, yeah, and right. he said, "Let's not play for the Knicks. Let's play for." Oh play my for the God! And is that it's why we're doing this question? No, but now that that has come up, that's a that is why I did it. Yeah, yeah, so it's <laughs> really good. Jeez, uh, uh, the other names: Trey Burke, Wes Matthews, and Courtney Lee. Some names in that trade. Courtney Lee's been on the Knicks and off the Knicks constantly, and he was a net too. But uh, Andrew, the board is yours. You're down four to one. We've only gone through three questions. <laughs> number t- number two. It feels so All bad right, for the leaguer who was like. Knew it immediately. It was like, please. Skip, skip, skip. <laughs> they drove off the road a long time ago. Cam Thomas scored 45 points in a game against the Bucks in early November. His third game as a net, scoring at least 45 points. Pretty impressive. Since 2000, there are only eight other players in Nets franchise history who have scored at least 45 points in a game, and we're going to name them all. So, Andrew, you're going to give me a name. Then Mike will give me a name. So this is since 2000. A Brooklyn net or New Jersey net who scored at least 45 points in a game. Where would you like to start, Andrew? Vince Carter? That is correct. Mike? Kevin Durant? That is correct. Um, Andrew? Kyrie Irving? That is correct. Back to Mike. Wait, does Cam Thomas qualify still? No, he does not qualify still. There are eight other names. Uh oh. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I'm gonna go Richard Jefferson again. And I'm gonna say no again. <laughs> so that means Andrew gets the points. Yeah. The other names. Uh how about Mikhail Bridges? He did it last year. It's honestly Harris Levert. Don't remember that. Uh Marbury. Yes, Stephon Marbury. Uh and Devin Harris. Which Devin one? Harris. Yeah. He had a moment. He definitely had a moment. Okay, uh, Mike. Yeah. Since we last spoke, you are now only up by one. But you do seven. have to control the board. Seven. Question number seven. 
surprised. According to Cleaning the Glass, this is a great question. I'm very interested. I feel like a true fan would know the answer to this. According to Cleaning the Glass, <laughs> which of the following right. categories are the Brooklyn Nets ranked number one in the league prior to the Miami game? Half-court offense, half-court defense, transition offense, transition defense. Which of those are they ranked number one in? Wow. All the league. Transition offense. Is it, is it only the, one? or is Yeah, it, it's only one of them. Only one of those. They're ranked number one. Uh, that is incorrect. They were really good when Ben Simmons was playing, actually. They've fallen off. Uh, Andrew, half-court offense, half-court defense, or transition? Oh, boy. I really That's just Number one in this stat. Of course you I'll can. tell you what it's not. What is it not? Half-court offense. It's... He's, he's yeah, psyching you out, Andrew. Is he psyching you out? Maybe not, actually. If you think about yeah, it, Cam Thomas is so good. He scored Ooh. 27 points per game. None of that's transition, really, if you think about he's it. He's a system. And Mikhail's he's, really not He's really not a fast breaker. He's really a, an answer. Now, why is Mike still thinking out the answer to this question? Andrew, it is your turn to answer the question. I'll, I'll say half court defense. I just don't, I have no idea. Uh, no, it's transition defense. They're the number oh, one man. transition defense team in the league. But what does that mean, uh, Andrew? You know, what does transition defense even equate? Like, probably has to do mean? with the shot clock. Number three. <laughs> there are currently fifty-one. Listen, I thought this stat kind of blew my mind. Listen to this. Currently, fifty-one NBA players who take at least six threes per game, okay? 51 in the entire league. Wow. The Nets lead the league with six players. Six of those 51 are on the Brooklyn Nets. They have six players currently taking at least six threes per game. Isn't wow. That, that is in wild. comparison, in second place are four teams tied with three players each. Three players. That's the difference. Wow. I want you to name those teams. You get one point per correct answer. You could potentially get four points here, Andrew. So these are teams who have three players taking at least six threes per game. There's four of those teams. Okay, so three players taking six threes or more per game. Yes. Oh, boy. You get four points here, Andrew. You could leave yeah. Mike in the dust. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that. That's a hell of a question. <laughs> That's like... Um, okay, I'm I'm definitely stalling here. You gotta say, um, say throw something out there. Throw some. Yeah, you know, I just I just feel like I've, I'm ne- I've wrong already, right out the I've gate. You're down to 28 teams. You have a one in seven shot. Oh, all right. I'll say. Um, gosh, what about Dallas, Andrew? That is correct for one point. Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Kyrie Irving. Okay. The game is now tied four to four. Four to four. Um, Let's go. What about the Sacramento Kings? Woo! Another point. Keegan Murray, Darren Fox, Kevin Herter. Herter. Herter's been good. Um, Lately. He has been. Two more teams, Andrew. You're now up five to four. Ooh. 
There are only going to be two questions left after this. I don't want you to get this. Uh, Mike doesn't want you to see. Doesn't like you. He doesn't see you like you. Golly. What's your thought process? Um, I'm thinking yeah, about, really I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I keep coming back to Indy just because they're such a high powered offense, but I just don't know who their third guy is. I'll say Indy, but I don't know. I, I don't think Miles Turner takes that many. That's wrong. Mike, you could get uh, two points here. I'm sure you've, you've had plenty of time. <laughs> think about names. This is similar to family feud where the other family has plenty of time come up with an answer sure. what have you sure. come up with i will admit indy would have been my answer yeah tyrese and buddy Hill both taking 7.8 but miles turned out four point. what's neesmith neesmith is at 4.5 okay yeah that was my yeah yeah my weapon x um here we go i mean you get this you can tie the game people want me to say the golden state warriors Really? They want me to say that. But when you think about the Warriors, there's really only two dudes that shoot. That's right. So who's wanting you to say that? So I won't do that. But the people, like, the people there's people like, oh, Steph and Clay. There's got to be one other guy. On the... No, there isn't. Right, Al? Uh, Ste- Steph's taken like 12 <laughs> this year. Wait, are you like trying to get answers out of me? No, I'm not telling you the answer. You almost tricked me there. Actually, I think you did trick me. And I don't want to say the Sixers. Max, Maxi. Actually, I don't want to know because it beat. Does it beat? Uh, I'm gonna get a read on me. Did, the Boston Celtics will be my answer, Mike. That is absolutely correct. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Sam Hauser. Ah, oh, Hauser. I wouldn't have thought. How many is Hauser taking? So do I get to sweep all of his points? Do they all? No, I know. No, it doesn't work like that. But you do get. You have. There's one more team. You want to throw one more name out there? Um. Yeah. 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 Uh, sir. And if you want to take uh, not a, a super long time to do it, Spurs. Great guess. Wrong. But great guess. <laughs> Cleveland. Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Max Truth. Paris Levert. Karis LeVert scored. did not let Karis LeVert shoot that many threes. That's it's a this. lot for Karis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Mike, two questions left. The game is tied. Oof. Longest game of Andrew versus the beat in history. Would you like to go with number four or number six? Six. Oh, this is so awesome the way this is setting up. I'm so happy that the last question is the last question. Okay, Mikhail Bridges has led the NBA in minutes played in two different seasons. Among active players, there are only three players who have led the NBA in minutes played in multiple seasons. How many can you name? So Bridges leads the league in minutes two years. I think he did it in a row. There's three other active players who have led the league in minutes at least two years. Jimmy Butler. Wrong. Andrew, you could steal three points here, take a commanding lead. Finish the game oh off. Oh, gosh. Minutes Active played. players that have led the league in minutes played. In multiple seasons. I in think it was Dibs. I'll just say that. Yeah. You think it was Dibs? Like, I was thinking, like, 
Remember how Tibbs abused his players constantly? Um, that is true. Really, yeah. He would play like 42 minutes a game. That's a good guess. Now I think about well, it's it. Well, it's wrong. It was a bad guess. It was, it was no. good. You ain't first, you're last. You had a reason to guess it, though. I like that. Um, what about LeBron? Did LeBron he do it? Those years? He did it like in the early 2000s twice, and then he did it in like 2017, 18. Which is why. Okay. There's two other names, Andrew. You're now leading six to five. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Um, Mike is spiraling. I can see the mic is spiraling. Did did Harden do it in Houston? Oh, Harden also did it, Andrew. That's another <laughs> point. There's one more name, Andrew. You could finish him off right here. Ben Simmons. I'm pretty sure Julius Randle... Did it, but I don't know if he did it multiple years. Say it. You should say Julius Randle. I don't think it's Julius Randle. I know he. I know he. Zion. I know he did it. I know he did it once. John Morant. <laughs> John Morant. Mike's giving yeah, us some great options. Zion's a good one. Um, what about KD? Like in his uh, Thunder years, did he do it? Andrew. That is also correct for all points. Unfortunately, that ruins the final question, but I'm still going to ask it because I love this question so much. So, Andrew, you guess you get first dibs on this. Okay. What is Cam Thomas's career high for assists oh. in a game? And you get to choose for who answers assists. first. <laughs> so you can make Mike answer first, and you go higher or lower. Or you can answer first, and then Mike goes higher and lower. If Mike gets it exactly correct, he does get a bonus point. Nine. Lower. Yeah, seriously. I'll say six. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's exactly six. I'm giving him the bonus point, and that means that he loses by one. One point, loser. Andrew, eight to seven. What a high-scoring affair we just That had. is a high-scoring affair. Wow. Wow. you imagine, uh, hey, though, you, if you had not gotten KD and that had been the final question? Oh, uh, and he move. got six. Yeah. I mean, I knew it. Yeah. Uh, hey, you should go listen. You should go listen to the uh, the Glue Guys podcast. It's a very fun Brooklyn Nets podcast. Honestly, way more fun listening to the to the Glue Guys than it is watching the Nets right now. Just saying, especially without Cam Thomas. Get out of here! How dare you? How dare you? It's true. The Nets are fun. They're a top thirty two team in the NBA. I'm yeah, that's right. <laughs> you go uh, go listen to the podcast. You guys have YouTube? You guys on YouTube? Yeah, uh, YouTube. Honestly, if there's a Nets fan listening to this episode that's never heard the Glue Guys, the thing you should do get in the Discord, discord.gg slash glue guys. Yeah. Got a thousand people in there. Great. Yeah. Dunk, dunk. Do you guys have a Discord? Uh, it's like yeah. the great. I'm on, 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 It's like it's the best uh, community in the world. And uh, yeah, and then my buddy Brian, who I do the show with. Uh, if you try to watch Nets games, he does. He streams them illegally. So, hey. There you go. Thanks, Mike. Okay, Andrew, that was Nets week. Much thanks to Mike Smeltz. But it's time to put the Nets in the past and spin the wheel and find a new team on the Wheel of Fandom. We have 26 teams remaining. A lot of good options. I'm, I'm kind of hoping 
I mentioned it earlier, who they're playing over these next couple games. I'm hoping for the Kings. Everyone's healthy. They're going to be playing uh, Luka, uh, Anthony Edwards coming up, Zion. There's going to be some fun games there. But let's see who the wheel gives us. We're spinning the wheel, and it's landing on... The Denver Nuggets. Ooh. The Denver Nuggets. Hey, the champs here. You know what? It's They're an interesting team because I don't feel like they, I mean, they obviously get a lot of credit, but they're not as interesting to talk about for people. There's not. There's no drama around the Denver Nuggets, and so they don't let's get see, as much pub. So. Oh, you know, they, they actually have a somewhat challenging schedule because they have Five, they start a, a road trip on Friday. Oh, okay. Five straight games on the road. Uh, we're going to get to watch them play New Orleans, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Detroit. And I didn't mention Detroit, but they've lost nine in a row. I oh, believe. my gosh. Did you uh, did you see the stat yesterday that I put out there? That since we can, we can frame this in a lot of different ways. Since they traded Sadiq Bey, since they acquired James Wiseman. You know they've only won four games? Since the trade deadline last year, really? They've won four games. Well, so they've since won they tra- two this year, right? So that would mean they yes. won two. They only won two games after the deadline. They beat Indy twice, and since they've traded Sadiq Bay, or since they've acquired James Wiseman, however you want to frame it, they've won four games. Four. Lordy, lordy. That's and that maybe that'll change. It's. Friday, November 17th at 10 a.m. Like, maybe that'll change. But, boy, oh, boy. I could not believe that. I could not believe huh. that when I heard that. Well, okay. They, they I'm, Now I'm looking at the Pistons schedule. They play at the Cavs, <laughs> at the Raptors. Then they play Denver, at Indiana. Then they get the Wizards at home. Okay, I'm, I'm targeting okay. that Wizards. They've got to win that game. They, they've got to the, get maybe their fifth win, win since the trade deadline last year. By Lord. Then. And then uh, we also get to see the Nuggets play at Orlando at the Magic. Oh, fun! Just talking about nice, yeah. nice. We get to see a, a furious second half comeback from the Nuggets <laughs> yeah. in that game. Uh, hey, you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the show. This one comes from KC Montre in the U.S. of A. Uh, she says, "Hello, I'm Wizards trash talkers girlfriend." <laughs> He loves y'all. And as someone who didn't know any basketball before dating him, your podcast has been a great asset in understanding the ins and outs and the who's who in in an entertaining way. Not that my basketball opinion means anything, but don't count out the Wizards. They're investing in the future with these young players, even if they've been losing pretty bad so far. Keep up the great work. I'm glad I found a fun basketball pod via my boyfriend. Wow. Thank you. That's like I wanna, the ultimate I wanna, compliment right there. Yeah, I want to get the like entire Wizards trash talker universe to, yeah. to just keep expanding yeah. out. Extended family members, have them leave reviews too. Please, please do, Wizards trash talkers. Shout out to you. <laughs> Thank you. And shout out to Wizards trash talkers girlfriend. Uh, that's great. Uh, and our last review for this week comes from Brian Johnson in Canada. 
He says the Slam and Jam alone is worth clicking the follow button. My Saturday begins with a cup of coffee, turning on Slam and Jam, and listening while I make breakfast for my family. Andrew and Alex recap the week and analyze the players and teams with humor, wit, stats, and interesting takes. And I always look forward to Andrew versus the beat. Great pod. Keep them coming. Thank you so much for that review. Hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the basketball. And we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.